Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we are discussing protection and insurance. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, I'm hoping our listeners uh, hang in with this important topic today, although I know a lot of people don't like to necessarily talk about it. Yes, and that's exactly why we are talking about it. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off with all of the concerns and thoughts that many times prevent people from discussing and employing the right protection in their life and then really empower you with this abundance perspective to be able to have that stability and strength in your financial foundation. So as we start off, when you think about health insurance, auto insurance, liability insurance, homeowners insurance, renters insurance, there's so many different types of insurance that you can think of that you've probably heard that you should have or want or need in your life. But most of us don't necessarily want to think about all of the bad things that could happen that would be the reason for having that type of insurance. And so if you're like most people, thinking, talking about insurance brings up these feelings of dread. It's like this desire to escape all the horrible things that could happen along with their consequences. And that has us then succumbing to spending hundreds of dollars that we would really rather not spend on protection and insurance. So it seems confusing. It seems like this quagmire where you pay exorbitant premiums, you get nothing in return, the insurance company always wins, and many weigh the risks and then decide that they're just not going to have insurance altogether, that they feel that the statistics or the possibility of the risk actually happening to them is small enough that they're willing to go through that without insurance. So protection through insurance and estate planning is often seen as this necessary evil. You want it, but it's expensive. It's time consuming to go through the process of obtaining it. There's so many other things you'd rather be doing with that money instead. So today we want to talk about the benefits of protection that exceed and extend far beyond the protection itself. So here are 13, excuse me, here are 11 reasons why you want to protect your money. And armed with this empowering perspective about protection, you'll enjoy making decisions about how to protect your money instead of feeling forced. So today we want to answer the questions, what or why should I protect my money when I could just make more instead? What protections are important and why? And all of us have limited resources, no matter what our income level is. So how, with those limited resources, do I prioritize paying for protection? Now, part of what we do here at The Money Advantage is to educate you how to keep and control more of your money, increase cash flow, protect your wealth, and insurance is a key part of that. So yes, we do sell insurance. We're compensated for the sale of insurance, specifically life and disability insurance products. Now we advise, educate, and sell because we see that value and how it fits into your personal economy and how it maximizes the personal economy of everyone that we work with, including ourselves. So we educate we don't educate because we sell, but we sell because it matches our values and our mission. So I want to make sure that as we come into this conversation that you recognize we're not coming in with 
scare tactics to help you make decisions out of fear, but we really want to come from this abundance perspective so that you can make decisions that are empowered. So I want to hand off to Bruce for a moment. Can you talk a little bit about the history of insurance? Yeah. uh, If you do a little research on this, um, you, you really see the first insurance in the United States. We'll start, we'll start there since that's where most of our listeners will live was actually a, a religious a situation in the 1760s where they were simply pooling their resource, resources in case there was a death in the family. And then they would redistribute those resources. Some of it was money, some of it was goods and services. Um, and it was a Presbyterian uh, religion that did that in, seventh, in the 1760s. So we're coming up on close to 300 years of, of protection uh, of that. And that was simply, I believe, if you, if you read the research, it was so that the person could continue to be a productive member in society and was not a burden on that particular society. And that's, I, I think, what we wanted, the theme we want to talk to people about is um, insurance is not just about uh, replacing something that is lost, but it also is it's to help that person emotionally still become an important part of society. In the second and third centuries, the Chinese did something that was, um, wasn't so much of a monetary um, payment of, a, of what we would think of a premium, but when they would go to different places across um, the world at that time and, and get goods, they would actually take uh, many ships, five, six ships, instead of one sh- big ship. And the idea was they were spreading out or mitigating the risk over five to six ships. So in case there was a storm, in case there was um, uh, some kind of pirates that were going to steal from them, um, if they had all the goods in one ship and it went down in a storm or it was, uh, it, it was overcome by people stealing things, then they would lose all of it. So they they mitigate the risk by actually doing five or six ships at a time. That way, if one or two went down, they were the uh, the average of getting something through was good. So they weren't actually paying. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It wasn't so much that they were paying a premium to do this, but of course, it did cost more to have many ships and then also many crews for these ships. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then the, the Babylonians um, in the second century, if they were going to go look for um, good goods uh, across the world, they would go to people to borrow money to do this, and then they would pay it off with the goods when they brought it back. And the people that were borrowing, or excuse me, lending the money, they were adding what we would call today a surcharge to that. And that surcharge was in case, once again, pirates would steal the cargo or the ship would go down. So that was the earliest form of an actual premium payment that was paid in addition to the lending of the money because the the, the loan was going to be paid off with the goods and services when, it, when they came back. So to ensure that the loan they knew that sometimes these goods were not going to come back, so they charged like a surcharge or, an, or what we would call today a, an insurance premium 
to actually allow that um, that transfer of risk over many merchants. Yeah, that's interesting. So they compensated; they were compensated for the risk they were Correct. taking. That's fascinating. So this whole idea of exchanging dollars for risk and and offloading risk has been allowed around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we're talking millennia. So, um, yeah, we're definitely, um, it's definitely not a new concept. And uh, anything that happens, uh, I believe, and hangs around for a long time has merit to it, or, or people mm-hmm. just simply wouldn't, wouldn't do it for that, for that many centuries. That's fascinating and really interesting to see how historically we've built up these ideas about how to handle risk, which really leads us into our first reason for why you want to protect your money. And it's that protection transfers risk. So there's many different ways that we can approach our relationship with risk. So there's always going to be risks. And we can talk about in a moment what types of risks are able to be transferred with insurance. But Imagine a risk out there, a risk of some type of unknown. We can either accept it, avoid it, mitigate it, or transfer it. So if we accept risk, we still have it and we choose to do nothing about it. This could be the risk of walking on the sidewalk and tripping and falling. Okay, so we have the risk. We just walk as we normally do and we do nothing about that. We can avoid it. We still have the risk, but we stay away from it in most cases And most times this is not possible. So we stay away from tripping hazards. Well, maybe we just never walk. That's really not a possible thing to do. Um, We can mitigate the risk. So we still have the risk, but we take measures to reduce the impact. We could, I guess, wear um, knee pads everywhere we go (laughs) so that we are mitigating that risk of getting injured if we trip on the sidewalk. Um, Or we can transfer risk. So we buy insurance. The insurance company then accepts the risk in exchange for your premium dollars. And they take on the financial burden of that risk. So that yeah, would, if you if if you were to trip, in other words, and get and get injured, yes, yes. Yeah, so they would pay then for the cost, and then you can not have to worry about any of the medical expenses or um, I any challenges loss, that loss would, yeah loss of wages at your work. Oh sure, sure, absolutely. So then, in that case, you're now transferring the risk. Now you still have the potential of tripping and falling. We're not avoiding that possibility, but the implications or the ramifications of that in your life, we've transferred that on to someone else. So what are, Bruce, some of the types of risk that are possible to transfer with insurance? Well, when you're, are you talking about the specifics like types of insurance or just uh, insurance in general? Sure. Like for instance, we can transfer the risk of medical concern by having health insurance. Oh yeah, medical concerns, loss of of wages, loss of your home, loss of your car, um, and loss of wages could be in a short term. It could be in a long term. Loss of life, uh, and that comes back to a lot of these things actually overlap. So um, you know, your loss of life is loss of earning potential, which then could also lo- you could also lose your home because you cannot. Um, actually pay, you know, to stay, stay living in that home. Um, with your homeowner's insurance, you could also have the, the loss of injury with somebody coming onto your property and getting injured. Or when you're driving your car, not only does your, your car insurance pay for 
uh, collision damage and comprehension damage. So uh, collision damage would be uh, the actual um, uh, things that you actually uh, damage your car or somebody else's car. Mm -hmm. Uh, Comprehensive could be uh, other properties, such as if you would run into a light pole or somebody else's house or or things like that. But it also, um, you could have umbrella coverage so that if something happens at your home, uh, that your homeowner's insurance coverage doesn't cover the entire amount. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be or- covered for additional amounts or in the car if you do something wrong, the, the umbrella coverage would cover that also. Or even, so I had it explained to me this way, if your property causes damage to someone else and it's not even on your premises or in your vehicle, so say your dog is at the park and bites another child, that could be a financial damage to that person. There's insurance that covers that with liability protection or umbrella protection as well. Right. And then business owners, you know, they they will have uh, insurance on uh, their inventory. They will have insurance, um, once again, liability insurance uh, at, at their property themselves. Uh, then we would have key manage. They would also have key man insurance, mm-hmm. uh, buy sell agreement ins- insurance, so that if a key person in their um, in their in their business gets uh, dies or um, becomes disabled, that they can have time. They would have a, a money given to them to help keep the business running until they can replace it. Um, uh, gap insurance mm-hmm. is, is is very common with cars. When you take a car loan out, um, because once you drive the car off the lot, it actually depreciates uh, immediately. And then if the car, if you actually wreck it, um, the car may not be insured for enough to pay off the loan. Um, So there are a variety of different types of insurance and why you should try to mitigate the risk or transfer the risk. Oh, absolutely. And so as we are coming up with this list, that's not even comprehensive. I mean, we could think of infinite other things that we would have the potential for risk of in our lives that there are types of insurance that are able to prevent that loss from impacting us financially. And so at the basic level, if we think about insurance, it is transferring or passing on that financial risk to the insurance company and paying a premium for it. And so that is the basic fundamental premise of why insurance exists. So as it transfers risk, then protection creates peace of mind. So that would be the second reason why you want to protect your money. As we're talking about all the potential and infinite financial problems that could happen in our lives as a result of just daily living, that takes up space in your mind that could be used for more productive endeavors. And just to illustrate this, you may not think about worrying about the financial loss or the burden of these life events coming in. But when you are open and exposed to those financial challenges, you're less able to be completely at peace and proceeding forward. I just want to share in that regard, Lucas and I have life and disability insurance. And this was something that we have come to an understanding of over the course of our lives and really understanding why we want to have those in place. But it's amazing how much peace of mind there is knowing that if something were to happen to us, that our daughter is taken care of. Estate planning is a huge part of that as well. But if if there were to be a lack or a loss of income due to disability, that that income would still be provided and we could continue on the same lifestyle that we are building 
today. And the same thing if we were to lose our lives. And that just gives a tremendous amount of peace of mind knowing that we can free up our mental energy then instead of going backwards and having to think about all those possibilities and having that just weigh on your mind. Now we have that mental energy to do something else with. And so, um, I mean, when we look at life, we know life is fragile. There's way too many people that are lost before their time. And there's injuries, there's illnesses, there's tragedy that we see all around us. And that is something that it's not about doom and gloom. It's not about saying, here's all the problems that could exist, but how do we free our mind up from having to focus on that and to really be able to be more productive? Yeah. Rachel, here's a great example of that. Um, about, uh, see, two years ago in December, uh, I was rear-ended by a young man and probably in his m- mid, um, mid-20s. mid And he immediately, he actually didn't rear-end me. He rear-ended the car behind me and then they rear-ended mm-hmm. me. And he yeah. immediately got out of the car and he was absolutely hysterical. He was saying, I'm sorry. He was already um, had stress in his life because he was actually on his way to a job interview because he didn't have a job. And then he informed us right away. He did not have car insurance Mm -hmm. and he was, he was beside himself because of this. So I can imagine that, that obviously that was on his mind while he was driving or uh, and probably crosses his mind every time he gets into an automobile to drive. And mm-hmm. I would imagine that energy that he uses was could have been, and I'm not I'm just I'm playing amateur psychologist here, but it mm-hmm. could have it could have been part of the reason why he was having difficulty finding employment because th- those negative feelings were following him wherever he was going. And, it, well, it, and it's proven too that what we think about is what we end up creating. And as much as that is challenging for us when we are thinking negatively, I mean, we attract what we think about on a regular basis. And if you're fearing something and that that is the, the thing that's perpetually on our mind, it's more likely we're going to end up creating that problem in our lives. Yeah, the manifests in our lives, yes. Mm-hmm. And Bruce, you had another story that you, uh, that's really personal to you as well. Would you like to share that um, just about how life is sacred and, and we want to be able to create that peace of mind? Well, the, the, the first thing I like to say is that um, I think the reason that people, um, a lot of times they, they feel like it's a, uh, the insurance is a win-lose situation, um, that you only you you win when the uh, when something happens to you and you you are well insured and then that means the insurance company loses cuz they have to pay out a lot of money or people feel like i'm losing because i'm paying premiums and the insurance company is winning because they are getting all my premiums and not paying anything back and that is because they're you're really looking at it on a one to one situation and that's really not transferring risk amongst a, lo- a large pool that way. So when people, I, I think people hear these stories about how insurance companies are actually out to um, get the little guy and they don't pay off when there's a claim. And I can tell you, Rachel, I've I've been on this planet now for 
55 years, and I've had a lot of experience in this with family members, with clients, where I've heard stories where people say, yeah, so-and-so wrecked their car and the insurance company wouldn't pay. But I have never heard um, about somebody saying that directly that an insurance company wouldn't pay. It's always been secondhand. And I've talked Mm -hmm. to many, I've talked to many uh, insurance brokers, wholesalers, and they've all said this, and you and I have experience with this, with our own insurance, with our clients. They've all said the same thing. Those stories usually have something else going on. The premium wasn't paid or the person had something in their contract that they were not Mm -hmm. paying for and or they didn't fully understand they, their they coverage. Or they... Exactly. And the bottom mm-hmm. line is these things are contracts. And I can't emphasize this enough. And with today's social media and the effects that social media can have, the pressures that they, they can have on companies, as we're seeing right now uh, in the news with the uh, NRA and, and several companies, Delta and several of these companies um, pulling out. Um, their advertising or their agreements. Social media is becoming so strong that these insurance companies, they can't afford to have bad press. And and before that, they could not afford to go to court because these are contracts. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think people hear that scarcity mindset. They hear these stories and there's always a second part to the story. And I've never... I've never experienced in my own personal life or in the lives of my clients where if they paid for something in a contract, that contract was then not upheld by the insurance company. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's really powerful to recognize that it's an agreement. There is an agreement for who's going to pay what and who's going to assume the risk. And the insurance company then is making a decision financially about the likelihood of paying out that claim. And they're going to charge accordingly. They need to remain profitable so they can stay in business, so they can continue to pay out claims when claims do arise, whether that's you, your neighbor, or someone you don't know at all. They need to be able to pay out those claims. And so we want the insurance company to be healthy and strong and financially viable. And Bruce, can you share your story about the house fire? Sure. Um, In 2014, and I I don't have enough time, and nor do I necessarily want to go through all the details, but... My wife and I had a house fire um, in which it was very small. It only, it only burned about a, um, a 20 by 10 foot area in the, in the rafters of the roof. And the fire department came and put it out. But unfortunately, they did not put it out completely. We had, to, we had left because uh, they had turned off the gas and the electricity. And we lost... The entire house then later on, as the as the original fire rekindled and started up in the middle of the night, and um, I tell people we lost everything, but the amount of things that you could put in the trunk of one car, and it was just devastating. Yeah, it was. It, believe me, I don't. I don't uh, wish it on um, my worst enemies, and uh, and <laughs> and I found out through research, although this is this was fairly difficult to obtain, but only about 0.115 to 1.8% of people have in the insurance industry have what's called a total loss. People have a lot of oh, have yeah. a lot of major fires, 
but they don't lose anything. And the insurance company was absolutely wonderful. And, and because I value insurance and I looked, I look for great brokers of insurance. I believe in, in brokers because I believe brokers actually have access to many insurance companies. Um, I had actually had it insured very, very well up to 125% of the, of the, um, of the cost that was actually increasing with inflation. Um, and that's, re- and that's replacement costs. And for for our listeners, if you if you don't know this, you're you're actually only um, you're only insuring the uh, structure itself. You're not obviously you're not insuring the land, and you're also not insuring the foundation that the structure is on. So that 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 way, when somebody says, "Well, my house, I bought my house for four hundred thousand dollars, but it's you know it's insured for three twenty. The reason for that is because of the 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 lot isn't insured and the and the uh, foundation isn't insured, but the insu- interesting that's a nice little tidbit of information for our listeners as well. Yeah, Thank you. For yeah, sharing and that. I would also say that, um, and then you have what's called comprehensive coverage, and that coverage covers things in the contents of your house, and this mm-hmm. is the part I think that people really need to look at as far as the contract because this is part that I, I think comes into this where you know, the sewer backs up or uh, somebody comes in and steals something in your house and it's a it's a, um, um, a jewelry piece that's over $5,000. And then people say, yeah, and the insurance company didn't pay it off. But if you look in the contract, it may say for, it would only pay for any jewelry that is under X amount of dollars. And if you want additional coverage, you have to add a rider to that. So that's really not the insurance company's fault for not paying off. It's it, Now, it may have been your broker's fault for not explaining that to you, but it's not the insurance right. company's fault. And, and, and personally, you know. And so that really comes down to education then and being empowered to make a decision that is well-informed instead of just guessing. That's exactly right. And, and you know, I'm you and I are both big in personal responsibilities. So, you know, you're, you're, you do get a copy of the contract. And if you don't, you need to demand a copy of the contract and you need to read it personally. You need to not, you know, uh, rely on Absolutely. your broker to say this because we're all human and people can make mistakes. And there's always, there's always communication problems where the broker may have said it, but you didn't hear it the way they said it. So uh, that's why it's kind of important for you. But the, our, my, our insurance company, my wife and I insurance company was really great. Um, the, the house rekindled and kind of fired at 2.30 in the morning. Well, we, we arrived at 2.30 in the morning. And then I called, I called mm. my insurance company, um, my broker, at 8 o'clock in the morning. And by 1 o'clock, uh, they had a $5,000 check in our hands uh, to go get essentials. And I tell people, you know, it's not like we, we had money in the bank. We didn't need the $5,000 right then that quickly. But it just shows, I think our listeners have, need to understand that these insurance companies are just like any other business. They want to do things correctly because th- they have to do things correctly to stay in business. And then we went through the whole process of, um, of the evaluation of the total loss. And then they, they wrote us a check to, to pay off the mortgage and, and the uh, balance of what the, um, the rebuilding would be. And we rebuilt. And then they we did not have to inventory. We did not have to inventory the contents. Although I'm, uh, this is another little tidbit that I'd like for listeners 
to know about your home is you ought to go through your entire home and videotape it on your on your uh, smartphone and uh, upload it to the cloud. Um, and and I'm only saying that's because I did it in our previous home, but I did not do it in the home that we lost in the fire. And, and I know this is going to sound like a weird statement, but we were lucky that we lost everything because if we had not lost everything, a total loss, you would have been responsible for itemizing everything that was in your home to get re to get reimbursed. Wow. But if it's a total loss, they just write they just write the check for the total amount you had the contents insured for. So, so wow. you really need to go through your home. The easiest way is to simply uh, videotape your home with your smartphone and make sure you um, you know. Uh, get up close to the content so you, you know if it's a Samsung television, it, you know the kind of quality that the chairs are, uh, the kind of things, open the cabinets, um, videotape those, so on and so forth. Uh, this would be very, very, very helpful. And once again, Rachel, we're talking about the kind of energy that insurance actually takes from you or, or allows you to have because you don't have to worry about it. If you have the contents videotaped, either because of a fire, a flood, a tornado, or um, theft, then you don't have to use the energy to try to recreate that in your mind and have that loss of time mm -hmm. in your mind. So to make a long... Yeah, and Bruce, I just wanted to share something as you're saying this. So you spent a lot of time and energy then in advance of the problem when there was no problem at all, and you were in a position where you said, at this point, there's not a, an immediate concern that a fire is going to happen, but I'm going to, it's worth it to me to spend the time and energy and the financial cost in advance to put the insurance in place and to do it correctly with the videotaping and everything that you're mentioning in order to make sure that your mind was freed up to be able to live without that risk weighing on you. And then you said the financial burden was completely taken care of. And obviously they can't handle the emotional concern and the emotional loss that happens when a tragedy or loss strikes. But financially you were made whole because of the insurance contract in place, right? Yes. And 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 I, I see my broker once a year and we talk about all these things. It's funny, you know, people want to sit down with their financial person and talk about their money once a year. But they don't necessarily uh, talk down talk once a year with the person to review uh, how you they can uh, transfer risk to other companies once a year. But I, that's I've done that you know over the course of most of my life, and uh, it, it really paid off. And not only for financially, but it also um, well, it didn't pay it didn't it didn't it didn't pay off financially. We didn't lose anything financially because we transferred that risk. But then it also didn't cause me to um, have to figure out how I was going to make additional money to make up the cost. And uh, we didn't lose a whole lot of energy uh, trying to figure out how we were going to rebuild our home financially. Well, I'm really sorry that that whole situation occurred and happened to you. And obviously, we don't ever want that loss to come into our lives just to make the insurance have been worth it. But in your case, as you're sharing that was a considerable amount of ease and peace of mind for you to be able to live your life and then be able to know that the financial burden of that type of loss would be handled if it happened. And so, yes, thank you. Yeah. So really what we're looking at is 
the opportunity then to put protection in place is when everything is good and there's no immediate concern, there's no red warning flags on the horizon, you don't need the insurance. And you don't need it because you're comfortable now, whether it's you don't need health insurance now because you're healthy and there's no medical concerns. You don't need flood insurance because there's not a, an immediate flood pending or or a storm coming up the coast. Um, but at the same time, when you don't need it, that's when you want to put it in place because it's it's too late once the event is pending or immediate. And you want to have as much as you can get because when you are in that situation, you want to have as much protection as you possibly can have. And the only time to be able to secure that is when the it, the concern is not immediate. So that protection is power then. And without the power, you become a victim. With the power, then you become empowered to be able to free up your mind, have the peace of mind to pr- pursue more productive endeavors. So we will get to the rest of our 11 reasons why you want to have insurance. But for today, we have covered that number one, protection transfers risk. Number two, protection creates peace of mind. And number three, the opportunity to put protection in place is when everything is good and you don't need it. So you can get the show notes and videos for this episode at themoneyadvantage.com. You can also leave us a comment there about how this might have challenged or confirmed your perspective about protecting your wealth. If you'd like to evaluate your personal economy and find out where you have the opportunity to become more efficient and plug the money leaks so you can keep more of your money and protect yourself, your cash flow and your wealth, and turn your money into cash flow, you can request a free financial picture consultation where we'll help you discover the dollars that are flowing out of your control, strategize ways to get more of your dollars flowing back into your control so that the end result is that you have more money to retain and utilize during your lifetime and more to pass on to future generations. You can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request that financial picture consultation or to share your comments, questions, and feedback with us personally. Thank you to you, our listeners. And remember, success leaves clues. Model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, and registered investment advisor, 
both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.